0: Today, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
0: Let's catch up with our Saturday morning legend ahead of the 3pm game today on SEN, which involves the Melbourne Storm taking on the Canberra Raiders. And following crunch time on SEN, Matt White, Tim Manor and Brett Morley will call the action right here on SEN across the country on the app. And joining us right now is a man who's played for two of these clubs of the two. Sandor Earl, how are you, mate? How are you, boys? Good, good. Uh, Canberra, Melbourne. Uh, yes. Are you going to do a Nick Davis here and say, oh, I'll just go for whoever wins? Or have you got a favoured uh, club out of
2: those two? <laughs> Mate, it's a very tough one, both very close to my heart. Um, had some great experiences at Canberra. It's an awesome club, but it's hard to go past your last club. And um, Melbourne was one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences, being a part of that culture and a winning team. So, mate, it's going to be tough. I feel like, unfortunately, Canberra are in a bit of a transition period at the moment, so I think Melbourne will go, d- go down there and do a job in Wagga Wagga. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll claim the purple pride today, I think.
1: Yeah, it's probably not a bad, <laughs> not, probably not a bad way to go. Looking at <laughs> the a tip shit. Tactic, not no. a bad technique. Though ba- zero and four would be the <laughs> other way, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's pretty pretty foolproof. Let's just talk about Canberra first. Your your time there in in Canberra, what was that like,
2: mate? It was awesome. Um, I was a young guy. We had a really young team. It was a pretty uh, bit of a sliding doors moment for me when I went there because um, I had some. I was sort of in and out of first grade off the back of two shoulder reconstructions and. Fernsey, David Ferner, who was a coach at the, at the time, gave me a chance mid-season. And, you know, we just went on a run. We were, I was, we were coming 13th. I struck up a good friendship and partnership with Blake Ferguson. And then we ended up uh, finishing sixth on the ladder and going all the way through the semi-final. So we just had a young team who was enjoying their football. And not often do you get those chances where you run out on the field and you're just having a good time and you're playing at that level. So I had a great time. And um, everyone in the club, it's a, it's a really good culture. It's a close-knit group being in Canberra. So... Yeah, I loved it. It was a really good experience.
0: What about Melbourne, mate? Obviously you spent some time out of the game for well publicised issues, but come mm-hmm. back. How did how did you get into the joint and and how quickly did you realise it had a unique vibe about it, if you like?
2: Yeah, I think as a as an NRL player, everyone knows like there's something special going on at Melbourne, whether it's because of the players that go there and then the progression they have or just the fact that they're basically near about in the grand final every year. So, mate, I came back from overseas and I just had one thing on my mind. I, was, I just wanted to, if I thought if I was going to give this one last crack and see how good I could be, I want to be a part of that storm experience, the storm culture. So I actually wrote Craig Bellamy a letter. Um, and It's probably the only way. I don't even know if he has an email, to be honest. So it was probably a good decision. But <laughs> I just said, mate, who I am, this is what I've been through, this is what I think I can bring to the club. And to his credit, a couple of days later, he contacted me. We met up at a cafe and Mate, it was a pretty crazy experience, to be honest. He just he said to me, I uh, wanted to get a feel for where I was at and see see where I was at. And then he said, I've spoken to powers that be. I'm, I want to give you an opportunity. So for someone like that to give me a show of faith, um, unfortunately, three weeks into pre-season, I tore my ACL, which is, oh, I, don't, I mean, cruel is probably an understatement. But worked my way back. And um, after, I think, nearly six years, I was able to play my first uh, first grade game in between games. So... But, mate, as you said, to be a part of the culture there, it's really, it's really special. And the standards and the accountability between players, I'm just grateful that I got to experience and that. It'll probably set me up for the rest of my life. What was that...
0: Go back to that meeting with Bellamy, the first one. And so you sent Ooh. him a letter. And then he said, yep. yeah, let's let's go meet. Was it was it almost like an interrogation, but you didn't know you were being interrogated? It was like a nice conversation, but you get to the end of it and go, far out. He He, he went deep there. He tried to get into my mind or... Was it, uh, it was more... pretty casual
2: to be honest? Yeah. Casual. Yeah. He just sort of said like he wanted to see what sort of shape I was in and if I was serious, I think. And then, um, obviously I would have reiterated that pretty strongly, pretty passionately, but you know, to get, I just thought I was going to catch up with him at that point. So for him to say, look, I've spoken to the CEO, the head of the club, and we want to give you an opportunity. You can imagine I was blown away, but, that's, so much motivation and inspiration came from that. For Craig Bellamy to go out on a limb and give me that opportunity after our first meeting, I was just like blown away. So it set me up for the rest of the year. It was, you know, it was a tough year. I had to train by myself and I was working full-time. So, yeah, just very special. I'll never forget that.
1: You've always had a pretty good rig though, haven't you, Sandy? It would have been sweet there walking into that meeting.
2: Yeah,
1: mate, rocked up with a tight shirt. I wasn't messing about. <laughs> yeah, I used to wear used to wear hoodies to mine. Don't worry about that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hoodies. Hoodies. <laughs> Not a hoodie. A hoodie. Hoodies. The <laughs> yeah, full, full moo sort of business. First the day Yeah, absolutely. I just want to talk to you about the – look. yep, you're at Canberra, 20, uh, mm-hmm. twelve and 13. Just about the evolution of sort of the wingers and the outside backs and the skill set that's involved now in the game with the try scoring and the acrobatics um how, how have you seen that evolve and how exciting is it
2: for the game mate unbelievable you know gone of gone of the days that i think when i was first around and you know these acrobatic tries we want to call it that was uh was getting about you know they, they look like nothing compared to now so some of the try scoring opportunities that the boys are pulling off and some of the athletes in the outside backs is just phenomenal even canberra they got some they got some good young stock as i said they're going through a bit of a transition period but The guys there are good. Um, I just think, you know, probably for Canberra, we just need to see that back five really step up. You know, Chance and Rapana, they give it their all, but I think everyone else needs to go with them, especially those young guys. So, um, But, yeah, it's lovely to see. I think the main thing for me, mate, is how important is a winger's ability to defend and make good decisions? I feel like some of the games that I've been watching they hang in the balance of winger's errors or good decisions in terms of defence. So, you know, tries to tries come through thick and fast if you can't defend and you don't have that good uh, chemistry between centre and winger. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of. The guy like Xavier Coates of the Storm, how good's his progression this year? You've seen him just go to what is probably his potential. So it's been cool to see. But, yeah, mate, there's some freak athletes out there at the moment.
0: It's a favourite, and it's easy sitting on the couch, obviously, but it's a favourite uh, saying amongst at my footy mates on the WhatsApp group, winger stay out. The number of times you see a centre being able to hang on to his man, it's like he, it's almost last go. He's he's chasing out, chasing out, he gets him. But then the overlap's created by the winger just coming in and trying to be a hero and cut off the centre rather than just staying out on his man. It's obviously a hard decision to make, but it seems more often than not that that's a decision that the winger doesn't have to make. Is that fair, Sand? Or is it happening way too quickly that you can't really do anything about it?
2: Yeah, look, it is happening quick. I wish, I wish it would all, um, you know, play out like it does on the TV. But to your point, there's a couple of things that happen. Like, and this, when you get when you're at the storm, you have such a big education and learning. One of the best to do it was Josh Adokar, and even now he's at the Bulldogs in a different system with different partners and center pairings. You're seeing, you don't just see the same like uh, result. So. Basically, how it works is if your center gets held up, someone runs a line inside the shoulder of the center, you pretty much have to jam. So if you don't and you don't come out and stop that play, that really is a fault of yours. Now, if the center gets beat, ideally what you want to do is, to your point, is back off, back off, back off and give it as much time as possible. But if you start flat, that's going to be really hard for you. So for the fans out there that are watching, if the inside player gets held up, jam, stop, get a result, but if you don't get a result, it's going to be on you. So that's sort of the decision. But it's a lot harder than you think. And those decisions at, at speed and working with your center, it's tough. So it all sort of rests on the winger there. Not to, you know, I'm, I'm a bit biased. I'll talk up the wingers all day. But, yeah, it is, um, it's some tough choices you have to make out there. And the result is not a missed tackle. It's a try.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah, we do highlight how much yeah, the they do score tries, but the the, the great wingers are the ones that um, sort of have no tries down that edge. Sandor, where do we see? You? Where are you now, mate? Uh, in life, well, what's what's doing?
2: Uh, so I'm actually a partner and heading up a new fitness franchise, which is very exciting. Um, I def- definitely was a catalyst for my retirement, but it's called Air Locker Training. So. We've got seven open. We just opened our first in Queensland. We're across Newcastle, Sydney, and Penrith. Um, it's group training in altitude. So I head up the program, and we've got an awesome program, all the modalities that people love, so boxing, genuine strength training. We've got a great equipment pack and in altitude, so something that was only available formerly to the a professional athlete or high-performance environment, now available for everyone. So it's a cool journey, and I'm just I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing, so I'm lucky. Have
0: you set one up in the shire of um, Sydney? Because I reckon there's a guy who might be interested in
2: perhaps. <laughs> Mate, we'll get him in. We're, hopefully, hopefully we're not too far away. Uh, the the Swannies did up. have
1: an, the swans had an altitude room built because uh, that was the big thing. Yep. Everyone would go overseas to so the altitude training and the Swans had one built at the SCG actually. It was good to get in there. Yeah, they do. It, it rips the weight off. It's good. Does it? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, you, good. Bur- you burn up to 30% more calories in the altitude yeah. environment, boys, so we got you.
1: Have yep. you uh, have you got one on the northern beaches? Actually, all of a sudden,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: especially after We've got tomorrow, bay
2: on the way. bay on the way.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. So, yeah, like, in it, it gases you quicker, does it? Doing stuff in there. Oh yeah. Not
2: necessarily. Obviously, the oxygen. Yeah, well, the oxygen is lower. So generally, uh, where you guys are now, you're at twenty to twenty two percent oxygen. In our simulated altitude environment, we're at about ten to thirteen. So it's significantly lower. You won't when you walk in, you won't be blown away. It's not a chamber, but. You just notice that slight adjustment to your breathing and your efforts. But essentially, what you need to do in terms of your effort and intensity is a lot less than what you have to do at sea level to get the same results. So it's just nice to go in and do all the training you love, but be supported by an environment that gives you the best possible results for your hard work.
0: Less effort. More reward. Exactly. Sounds like my
2: kind of place, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Sandor. <laughs> it is good. You probably notice it, Sandor, more when you walk out, when you go back out of the yeah. altitude chamber and you get back into the normal air. That's where you actually feel the, big, the biggest difference. Uh,
2: okay. Fair enough. It's a big endorphin rush. It's like that runner's similar, high. Similar feeling to that. It's,
1: it's, it's
0: really good. Sandor, really appreciate your time this morning, mate. Good luck with the, uh, the new business. Great to see you kicking on after footy. And, um, yeah, good luck to whoever you want to win out of Canberra and Melbourne this afternoon on SEN.
2: Thank you. Great. It's great to come on, lads. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend.
0: You too. Sandoriel joining us right now. And we are, after that, off to a quick break. Back in a moment with plenty more. We've got a big Masters chat on the way.